1: Everybody, and a welcome to the AFT oh, no, and Soccer Show. Yes, we're back. We're cock a hoop because we're celebrating a famous victory today. Italia, Italia. For no other reason than they, they play lovely football and they have lovely kits, of course. That, that's the only reason. But you are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we're going to do a show in two parts. And we're going to try and keep this one brief. I know we've been going a little bit over what is really a a manageable and listenable podcast Uh, length, I I guess you could say. But the last one went way too long. It didn't mean to. So I apologize for that. But thank you for listening. The the really long ones seem to get some of the best listens. I'm confused by that. I don't know if it's just folk that are having to tune in five times over the course of the week to get through it and it's given us five five lessons for each one but whatever it is thank you for listening anyway tonight we're going to be talking in the first part about the white caps MLS then we're going to be turning our attention in the second part to international football because it's been a veritable feast in June it's continuing into July we're going to talk gold cup we're going to talk euros we're going to talk Copa America so there's a lot of football chat to be had but as always we're going to kick things off with a gift that keeps on giving It's Steve Pander's box of cards from 2011 MLS Upper Deck. Zach and me are opening a pack a week and I I got back onto some, some good ones last week after two weeks of doubles. had a sneak peek at the pack that I've opened tonight and I, I've got some very good ones in here, including a former white cap. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Um... We uh, just so you know, Michael, this we are on pack nineteen of thirty six by my count. So we just Ah. have reached. We're on the other. This will put us past halfway. And Kirk wants you to know that he's calling this night's tonight's pack on our end the blues.
2: Oh,
1: I am going to call this pack the the up and comers that I have, and I'm going to start things off. I don't know how much of an up and comer he was, but from Chicago Fire, he started his career in Greece. With Olympiacos FC, it's forward Neri
0: Castillo. Oh, yeah. I know him. He's Mexican. Is he Mexican or Paraguayan? I don't know. One or the other, yeah. I remember him. Uh Oh, okay. I remember this guy. Where did he play before? Oh, okay, well, he's a GOAT. Uh, Midfielder forward GOAT. Michael Lahoud.
1: Oh, yes. I think I have him. I have got the first. Uh,
3: the stri- uh, I, sorry, let you know Neri Castillo is Mexican. Mexican. Yeah, okay, that was my first time.
1: Yeah, we'll be talking a bit about Mexico, I'm sure, later on, because that was a very, very interesting match last night that they had with Trinidad and Tobago. Taking on two countries is always difficult, of course, <laughs> but they, they, they didn't to really come away with that with a point. But the next card is the first of two super draft cards that I've got in this pack, and it's a former white cap. Nanchoff. No, he wasn't a white cap for this. Philadelphia Union. Zach McMath.
0: Oh, yeah. Look how young
1: he looks. Beardless and everything.
0: I forgot he was in that draft class.
1: Although I think back in 2011, you didn't have a beard either, did you? Uh, I think you did. uh, Yeah, I did. Did
0: I've had a beard since I was like 15, Michael. It wasn't Uh, this big. It might have been this big at that
1: time. Yeah, it wasn't big and bushy. Yeah. It wasn't Um, 70s style.
0: This next card, I think, I'm pretty sure. I'm almost positive he's in your starting 11, and I really don't like him. But if he's not in your starting 11, I would have to put him in mine just, be- just because I want to win this thing. But its I'm pretty sure you have it. It's Landy Kiggs.
1: Yes, I have him up front yeah. with Kai Kamara and Chris Wondolowski. That I'm, is the I'm relieved I don't have to put him. him in. Well, I've got another Super Draft card coming up now. He's from James Madison University. Sporting Kansas City's C.J. Sapong. Oh,
3: nice! Still playing. Who is he? He's somebody else now, right? He's
1: where is he?
0: Is he? Well, man, I wanted to say say Chicago, but no, he's Nashville. Is it Nashville?
3: Nashville. He is in
0: Nashville.
3: Yeah, right. Uh, I have
0: from the Washington Freedom.
2: Freedom.
0: This is a I want to say a Danish name, and. I'm going to butcher it. (laughs) First and last name. That's all right. I've been commentating on
1: Persian players today. That didn't go well. Lena Mikkeland. Oh. How do you say that, guys? I think that's... Yeah, Mikalind. Yeah. All right. You can take his cards, but you can't take his Lena Mikalind from freedom. Now, Billy Conley used to do a thing where he said, never trust a man that's got two first names. That's his first and his second names, and that's what this guy has. He's from Shivas. Remember them? It's Blair Gavin.
0: Oh, I don't remember him, but I remember the goats. No, I don't. Uh,
3: no, Lena, I- Lena is actually Norwegian.
0: Oh, Norwegian. Okay, thank you. Pining uh, for the fjords. I, uh, I have a player who I believe scored in the infamous six-one game at Stad Saputo. I'm pretty sure it might have even been technically the 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 winner, or the the sorry the series clincher for them. He's wearing his TFC kit, but this card is from La Galaxy.
1: Not a flattering yeah, so also, picture of him, is it?
0: No. Also, Although, to be fair,
1: a- can you get a flattering picture of Chad Barrett?
0: Was he also. Did he play with the Flounders for one season, too?
2: I
1: think yes. he may have, yes. Almost I'm going to do my last two cards together because they're number 56 and number 57. They're two defenders from FC Dallas, so I may as well just do them both. Gere Benitez and Heath Pierce, two long standing guys in the league. Hmm. Chad Barrett did score in the six-one yeah. stats. Well, which goal was it? Was it like the fifth or sixth?
3: I don't know. I'm not sure okay. on that. I just see a t- I see a tweet mentioning that he on Disney in history.
0: Steve, right. okay. bring
3: in the stats and info tonight. I
0: like he, this? My next player, Michael, for sure has him, and actually, he could be my first double. I have to check. He uh, is Canadian-born, but I believe he represented Jamaica of his own accord. Oh. It's, uh, it's Real Salt Lake's Andy Williams.
1: Ah. You have him. I think I might have him. i got to check that one. My mom had some uh, LP records by Andy Williams back in the day. Born in Toronto. Yep. So get and to the last, last out, one.
0: Last but not least, I have a guy wearing a Chicago uniform. I don't remember this guy. He's a midfield forward, played for the fire, and this card is uh, – he apparently joined the, the Lumberjacks for their first year. It's Peter Lowry. Oh. Do you remember him? I don't remember him. No. I do know
1: there there is a famous English painter called Lowry that has a very iconic football themed painting that he did called Going to the Match and it captures the quintessential way of going to watch football in England back in I think the nineteen fifties. So if you don't know what that painting and picture is, check it out. Lowry's going to the match. It's lovely. Peter was a second
0: round draft pick in 2008 MLS draft by the fire and they made his debut in the Lamar Hunt US Open Cup.
1: Ah, And the that is not Cockney rhyming slang. Just to get that out there just now. Yes, that is our cars over. Thank you as always to your helper, Kirk, for getting all those done. Zach will be filing those away in his big folder as we we go through the show, I am sure. So we've got that out of the way. That's the fun stuff. We've got more fun stuff coming up later on. It's good not to peak too early with too much fun stuff, so I think let's talk Whitecaps. They've had a match since we last did a show. Well, they were on the pitch for a game of football since we last did the show. 4-0 loss to Real Salt Lake. The visitors of Real Salt Lake going to their home stadium and putting on quite the performance uh, against the Whitecaps. We're not going to break this game down. We're not going to delve into it too much. We'll touch on some aspects that came out of it. It was horrible. The The game against Sporting Kansas City was, up until this game, the only game of the season that the Whitecaps had been basically outclassed this season. There'd been a few narrow defeats, some heartbreaks and stoppage time, points dropped where they should have got one, maybe even got three. This... They just simply weren't in it. It was an absolutely shocking performance. And 43 seconds in, they're 1-0 down. And it just continued to go downhill from that. At no stage of this game did I think they were ever getting back into it. I I was bored. This is not an enjoyable team to watch at times. And this was one of those games that it was shocking, really, Steve.
3: Yeah. Um this one I, I just felt like their heads weren't in it. They were coming off uh like a two days rest. Uh they just played on Sunday on um and then and obviously the Sunday game was a heartbreaking one for them as well because they had mm-hmm. they were in a position to win that game and that one drew two two.
1: So And they lost Cava and Max Crepo to international
3: duty. Well, yeah, and they were missing them, too, and they were still dead. I don't think they had anybody back from injury, if I'm not mistaken. No, um, Gashbar no, was no, still out. Well, um... There's nobody... Was there somebody off the Baldy back? I went remember?
1: out with injury, so... Yeah. Yeah, Bakel moved into the middle, and Javane Brown came back from injury to to play it right back. But... Yeah. So,
3: the, but yeah, but that was those are my the 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 injuries I'm talking about are the ones that have been going on for a while. Oh yeah. Nobody was yeah. able to come back and like uplift the team and make up for that talent, and it didn't help that that f- that first goal came in early. Uh, that was probably that probably the worst case scenario, and it just went downhill from there. Uh, they were able to like hold them off until the second half, but. Uh, really, even during that first half, even despite only giving up one goal early, like in the first minute, it still wasn't anywhere near where they should have been.
1: I mean, Zach, that was uh, definitely one of the worst performances. I'd maybe even see the worst performance of this, this season because Sporting Kansas City, uh, we, we know what they can do to, to the Whitecaps. This game against Salt Lake, we had just gone toe-to-toe with them a couple of weeks earlier. And we didn't, we didn't even look on the same page. There was a in class. And this was a game too, mind you. Yeah. But for me, the, the, the factor that, that shone out like a sore thumb was difference makers. And I tried to raise that with MDS after the game and I didn't even get my question finished to, to Mark before he said he doesn't really want to talk about, about such things. But this was a team that had Damir Krylak. They've also got Rubio Rubin. They've got other guys that can really make a difference in matches. Um, Rushnak as, a, as another example. The teams that do well in MLS all have at least one difference maker. Some of them have more than one. I, I struggle just now to think of anyone in this Whitecaps team that you genuinely can say, yep, yeah, they're going to be a difference maker.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, the the, the two that you would who were gone for Gold Cup duty, and the other they just gave away for nothing. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it you're right in terms of there's not a lot of exciting things to in terms of like when you're like, oh, should I watch the game tonight? Which I mean, we watch the game because we we want to talk about it and whatever. But like, yeah, for I, I've average- got
1: to say though, like I was quite distant watching the second half. It was it was on. And I was just paying token attention because I had to do the report, but I was not invested in it. I was I, bored out of my head. I, I, can, I can
3: tell you, I I wasn't either. I had a, an alert on on my phone, with, which would alert when there was a goal in, and then I would look over to the TV to see the replay. That's what <laughs> that's where I was in that second half. Did you one. did did, that, did you
1: guys have the volume on? No, I I did actually for barely. No, I I've got to say, um, I I'm I'm quite liking Blake Price doing the commentary. Yeah, he's going into uh, it. To it. I, I I like the style that he's bringing, and for me, it does it, it is working. I, w- I wasn't sure, and obviously, you're replacing an icon like Pete Shad, but I've I've liked I've liked Blake so far.
3: Yeah, I, I like I mentioned it. I think I mentioned it when he was first hired. Like I've heard him do a hockey, and he really doesn't fit in hockey because he's more. He doesn't really fall. He's kind of like a. He, he, he's not. Quick enough for the hockey, I feels like. Whenever he's done
1: hockey, he's more of a conversationalist, and I think that you yeah. said
3: that before. That works for football. Yeah, like, I mean that—that's
1: like... that, my commentary style as well. The couple of games I've had to do in my own, the feedback I got was, "Oh, that we liked that. It was different because it was kind of like a conversation style." Yeah, and I think it it can engage the the viewers, and tch, some. Anything has to try and engage the viewers just now when, when you're watching this. I mean, what were your overall thoughts off it, Zach? Because it, it was a horrible outing.
0: Yeah, I mean, as we were messaging during the game, I know, Michael, you were like through in the middle of it, you were like, yeah, this is awful. And this is, and I, to be honest, I wasn't that down on it. But again, my expectations going in were that Salt Lake were going to win 3-1. So maybe I had really low expectations. And so I wasn't really
1: that, off by I, it. I was basing my my optimism that they would have a performance on what how they played just a few weeks earlier against them because they did go toe to toe with them yeah. and yes they had a couple of different pieces but they didn't seem to learn anything from it and if anything they yeah. got worse.
0: Yeah, I mean it helped for me. I have the commentary off, which I pref- I prefer nowadays. So so that I've been doing that with watch. the
1: CPL. I've, I've got yeah. to say, yeah, I do that for most of those as well um but and any any euros game that england was playing cuz those commentators were doing Yeah
0: today today actually I had it on and it was annoying but it it worked out. Um so, so no i mean yeah there was it was not a, it was it's not engaging for sure like it this is not something that someone's going to turn on tsn catch and be like i got to watch the rest of this or i ca- i want to care about this more there's like there's none of that and then you factor in, factor in like for m- many of the people who have been actively following things over the last year or two, they there's very very little like connection to to, to these people anyways as players. I mean, so there's a few. Don't get me wrong.
1: Made made all the harder as well because they're oh, yeah. they're away and you're not even at the game. So I mean that's the worst possible situation for them just now because you don't feel a but, connection anyway and you're I, not there. I,
0: I don't. I I appreciated you asking the question of MDS because yeah, like how do you approach how do you approach a game when you don't have the difference makers? And I think he for the most part MDS has tried to keep it tight at the back and then take the opportunities when they they can. And I mean, they've done a little bit of that this year, but obviously not nearly enough. And obviously, they're they're just lacking in quality, which is something we've said at various points, you know, since the preseason.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was going to play a little bit of of MDS's audio from after the game, but you, you can find that on, on the Whitecaps website. Uh, we, we won't feature in the show this week. But basically he didn't want to talk about who he hasn't got he said that's a discussion to have basically with the the higher-ups likewise he was asked do you feel you're the right man to lead this team forward he said yep absolutely but again yeah ha- there's other people you maybe need to have that that conversation with it's eight games now without a win and for me steve it's not even so much that they haven't won in those games. It's just, it's the nature of how they're playing. It's it's not enjoyable. It's not entertaining. And I've said countless times over the years, I don't care how the team plays. If they grind out a win, to me, that's all that matters. But if you're not getting the win and you're playing awful, then it's it's really hard. And like, we're three hardcore guys. We've watched the team for years. There's a bunch of us out there. But for the casual... This folk that I've been chatting to this week in various places, and they're like, "Oh, I forgot the game was even on, and I, I I didn't miss not watching it and stuff like that." And I I know, I I think you've like yourself, Steve. It's like you're a little bit kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Disconnected maybe with the team a little bit. It's like it doesn't seem to be grabbing your attention as much this
3: year. No, and I I was one of those people that would have missed the game if you guys hadn't started mentioning it in the in the chat. Um, I completely forgot. Like I lose. Yeah, it's, it's not a must-watch thing anymore. No, and and I, I actually did miss the first goal. I had to rewind it back to see how it was scored and everything. Uh, but it's it just, yeah, you're right. It, there is a. It might be the fact that you're not going to the stadium every couple of games here. But I, I've I've been feeling this about this team before that. Uh, there's been something about like not not just the players on this team. It's just the whole atmosphere of the way this team is being built. And no, it's not Zach constantly reminding me about the front office and stuff like that. This is my own opinion. I'm not being I'm not being brainwashed by Zach or anything like that. Uh, it's just you can tell. Like eventually, you can tell. Like 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 you give him the benefit of the doubt. You say, okay, let's give him a chance. Like, I've said it over the year. I'm willing to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. I think the and I don't want to go back because I know we're discussing the game. I don't want to go back. The thing that really the last straw for me was uh, and I forget his name. Um, because I am, I guess I'm so disconnected, I forget his name. The, when they uh, they fired the CEO or whatever. Uh, oh, Mark Panis. Yeah, yeah Panis. When they fired him, that might have been the final straw for me. Um,
1: I think whether, it was for a few folk.
3: W- whether it was um, uh, something that was neat, that should have been done or something. I don't know. I don't know the reasoning behind why they did it or not. I really didn't look into it. I don't think I've even asked you if you knew. Uh, but just the fact that they let him go after he was bringing in so much excitement for the team and everything like that. That was absolutely the wrong move. Even if he didn't gel with some of the people in the front office, that still he needed to be there. So I, I don't want to yeah. keep going into this, but yeah. that was I don't, th- a, I don't th-
1: think we really do know the, the full reasons. Okay. But we it's, it's, this is a puzzle. That's not
0: hard to put some of the pieces together. And I'm only going to talk. Well, about this Steve we're specu-
3: Yeah. We're speculating
0: only. We can only do speculation. In this right. Case. But here, here's the thing the people who have left the who've left the organization and some of them I've talked to personally they they leave or they're no longer welcome there because they're threatening to those at the top who have the power and the control whether it's they know their how should i put this nicely they know their weaknesses uh, whether they know the their rationale for some things whether they know uh, the real reasons why some decisions are being made. What, there's a number of different things that have happened over the years. And so uh, to me, what what has happened in the past is when the ownership and upper executive feels threatened by someone, they get rid of them. This is a pattern. This has happened. You've seen it. You've seen it yes. with... Uh, you. You. And I'm going to say some names that are unpopular here, but you saw with Barber, Furlong, my understanding is Furlong, as much as people we'll have other things to talk about about furlong is he had the same thing he went in and said this the way this is being run is not right and he was a threat to those people who were running it that way and so they did not like him and they i think were not displeased when he was you know uh less involved because of other things going on in his life uh, oh, obviously I mean, some, obviously some coaches mark oh, yeah. mark panis is not hard to see that same connection as well
1: i mean let, let's know go too far back on that again because I mean that was over a year ago there have been other appointments made and other front office positions to do with scouting stuff like that but we're at a stage now that the team will hopefully be coming home soon not as soon as was kind of indicated some guys down in Houston thought the game on July 20th was going to be at BC place but I'm not quite sure where they got that from I've always thought it's going to be the the first home game in August will be when they will be back especially because they've got three away games coming up before that but the 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 club and I feel like a broken record because I don't know how many times we've said that in the last 10 11 years they're kind of a crucial turning point there's a fork in the road as there's been several times and they seem to take the wrong the wrong direction this this is a massive opportunity for them to return heat back to the city put an entertaining team on the park win the hearts and the minds back of the fan base especially the lapsed fans and they have to do it right it's kind of like a reset It's they're, they've hit the reset button they're going to be back in Vancouver they can do all these things now there's a lot to that I don't know how much this season can be salvaged I mean I genuinely thought after that RSL game, that Mark DeSantis would, would get sacked. I, I'm i not saying I wanted him to get sacked, because I do feel he deserves a chance to come back to Vancouver with everything that he's been through and to, to get a team playing with actual difference makers that they're bringing in. So he deserves that opportunity for a year and a half of hell that he's been through. But just knowing how the club has worked in the past, I thought... They're going to see this as an opportunity. There's a 10-day break. They're wanting to come back to Vancouver. What's a way to excite people? Have a new coach in charge. I I put a poll out on Twitter saying, not not do you want MDS fired, but do you think they will fire him? And I was genuinely surprised. Most votes we've had in a Twitter poll, 457 votes over the 24 hours, which was phenomenal. And 60% said, "Not they'll give him the whole season. Now, he hasn't been fired in the, the end of last week. I, I think from that, we can only assume that he is going to be here now for the the, the rest of the year. Right decision? Um, I have my reasons to why I think they,
3: they won't fire him. I'm not going to mention him because they are like just speculation. Um, But I'll let you guys know when we're done recording. Uh, but the uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to get fired. Uh, I think they will give him the whole year. The only way that I can see firing is if the players or something like that—I'm uh, not saying certain player, but most of the players—go to management and say that they can't deal with MDS Mark anymore, or he himself resigned. That's the only two reasons I don't see him lasting the whole yeah.
1: year. I that, don't that's think... not in Mark's nature to, to yeah. walk away. So
3: I don't. I don't that for those reasons, and I don't. I think the players do like him. So I don't see either thing happening. So I do see him going for the rest of the year. I mean, Michael, you you
0: pose the question. Do you do you think we should? He, like, do we think he should have gone or or go or whatever? I, for me, it, you know, with me, it's a moot point. It, he's not the he's not the problem, and he's not what's going to change things, in in, in my opinion. Uh, and I've I think I've expressed that to him in a in a as nice a way as possible. I've had that conversation with previous coaches many times before about how things at the organization can't get better until they get worse. But that means that most likely it's gonna be bad for the for the coach. And
1: well, I mean, we're at rock bottom just now. Bottom of the West, we're two points adrift just of the, the team above us. So I mean it could be a lot worse. We're six points out of the playoff places again in MLS very easy to make those points up if you if you go on a, in a run of games we're only 12 games in to a 34 game season there's still 78 points on the table to be won so the, the season isn't lost but this is a team that needs something some spark you have to think it's new players I, I'm not for blowing it all up but the, the, there's guys I think that that need to get moved on. The young guys, if they're not good enough to get the chance, they need to get loaned out, so they are getting developmental minutes and to free up roster spots. Derek Cornelius, let's talk about him just now. He looks to be heading off to Greece on a year and a half loan deal. It's the best thing. Again, we said this with Ali, it's best for all parties. I think this is best for all parties as well, because... Derek does not appear to be in Mark's plans for this season for whatever reason. I don't really think he's he's done. I mean, th- th- this other centre backs has made a lot more mistakes than Cornelius, and they're still getting played. They're still getting game time. I don't know what it is. Obviously, we're not at training. That's something that Mark said several times uh, without mentioning specific players. But you're you're not seeing training. You're not seeing how they're playing at training. Good for him because he has to try and get back into the international setup. It's a puzzle, though, because he's played well whenever he has been called upon.
3: And he he played well for uh, Vancouver. Uh, He was on the Olympic team. He played well there. Captain led from the front and the um the thing is is i think that he's done with the white caps unless there's some kind of recall done because yeah. he's he's got like a year and a half left on his contract i think there's a half a year with another option year yeah and and he's on loan for a year and a half so if that's the case then basically he's done um at this point so for me uh, it's it's a it's a shame i personally think that he's a better center back than at least one of them that is on the pitch regularly um yeah if you can call him a center back. Um, so I, I, I don't get it. And maybe there is something, maybe there's just not what Mark is looking for in a center back and, and, and like style wise. But if he, if you, sometimes you have to adjust to the style, um, adjust to the players you have instead of trying to pigeonhole somebody in. So I don't, I don't get it myself. I've never have got it, uh, but definitely it's something that MDS is, is his prerogative to put who he wants on the pitch.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with, I'm with you, Steve. Uh... it's kind of unfathomable that he has not got more of a chance here and i agree with you michael we we haven't seen everything we've seen less than we usually do uh, because of the pandemic obviously but uh, it's it's hard to understand it's hard to comprehend why he's been given such little time and little opportunity in in particular when you have uh, an, an older not natural center back who's also like a player coach supposed to be working with the residency kids or the younger players taking up so much playing time. And I know he's made positive contributions. Don't get me wrong, but it feels like his negative contributions have at least balanced that out or, or been a more of a negative than, than his yeah. positives have. Yeah. And, and then, and he, again, we've talked about, we've talked in previous shows about how you need to give a young player like this, a run of, a run of games. And I'm just, I'm a little surprised that DC hasn't got that here. And I hope that this um, sojourn to Greece turns into a turning point in his career.
1: The centre back position, it, it's quite baffling because Godoy and Veselinovich seem to have a, a decent partnership. And now you've got Veselinovich brought on in a game, scores an own goal within seconds of being on the pitch. What is that going to do to him mentally? Because. He's lost his place in the team to an older guy that isn't an actual centre back. He's trying to get back in the team. He gets thrown on and he scores an own goal. He's like next time he is actually playing, he's going to be like doubting himself and putting extra pressure on himself. So if we're not going to count on him, you thought, oh well, we've got Derek Cornelius well if we need to bring somebody in. So he's gone now. So you're left with Fashionary, young, untested. Can't really see him getting the the shout. We have to get. I've been harping on for this for weeks. We have to get an experienced centre back, younger than Andy Rose, proven in MLS, natural centre back position. We desperately need that just now.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. I was talking with Will Silver about this recently. He's been saying the same thing. Like, why don't they bring in an, uh, like a, a proven centre back and. Uh, Obviously, they they have their attention focused on bringing in other positions that have been issues. Yeah,
1: well, it looks like we could potentially be bringing in two number 10s. You wait all year for one and then a couple come along all at once. We'll we'll come to that very shortly. But that's not going to cure all the problems. They're, They're giving up goals. They're giving up goals in stoppage time. Mark DeSantis had said there's always a lot of focus on like the group's mentality and focus for giving up these late goals but he thinks that's just too simplistic there's a lot more to it and kind of talked about that the goal that they did give up against Dallas the point I think it was Steve that raised and I hadn't noticed it at the time and then I looked back I was like yeah there was two men in front of the guy that crossed the ball and they still let the cross get in the the marking for some of these goals against RSL very poor again and defensively, they they looked stronger. I, th- I think what's frustrating me through these first twelve games is I, I was quite optimistic at the start of the season. I looked at that attack and I thought that looks a that's a tasty looking attack. Dahomey, Caicedo, Cavallini, lot of danger. Yeah, there's not a ten pulling the strings, but I thought they might not need that if they play a four three three, for example, or or something like that. The consistency just hasn't been there. We've had great flashes from Dahomey. We've had great flashes from Caicedo. A few good moments from Cava. Not enough as far as I'm concerned. The midfield is just not creating the way it needs to create. Janiel Biquel, for me, in the last couple of weeks has been one of the best players. And he's kind of like one of the kind of guys that goes under the radar a little bit. Chavine brown as well another guy that's kind of gone under the radar a bit at the start of the season i'm not sure how many of us would have well definitely not with brown but i don't think we'd have had bakel in as one of our starters so you've got two guys that's been given their opportunity ran with it and i, I think this is the problem with me with, with mds the last couple of games steve he's stuck too much to the same group freshen it up bring in some new ideas it's not working just now why not try something else and see if that works?
3: Yeah, it was just a lot of repeating the same stuff, and and that was probably the most disappointing. And I understand that there are were some positions where there were just too many injuries where he couldn't do anything. But even I, I, I think he was afraid that if he changed too much, that the players might have got confused because he has done that in the past, and that hasn't worked either. But I don't know. It's it's right now. It's it's. I'm sure he's just as. Um, he's just unable to figure it out what to do next as everybody else um, and, and, and that's and that's the probably the most disappointing thing that it's just like it feels like it's just repeating the same thing over and over again.
0: I know sometimes the post match comments feel like they're post match comments you know they're they're there to sound you know maybe sound positive and you know try and grab some something some nuggets of encouragement to move forward with. But I, I really believe that MDS and his coaching staff actually believe that they're not that far off with what they have, which yeah. is maybe maybe which is s- a bit concerning. It's, it's concerning, but again, to me, they're dealing with a limited hand. Yeah. But in multiple ways. But so th- that's why I think they haven't changed as much, Michael. What right or right or probably wrote wrong? I think that they feel like we've been so close. We got these two two old draws, and we think we deserve more. Should have got more you know kind of kind of things that i think that's why you haven't seen more uh, drastic changes or or more changes in different areas or whatever yeah and so yeah
3: the thing is i agree with you that they probably think they're not too far off the problem for me if you want to take it into like a house kind of uh, example is that they the house looks great problem is that the foundation is shit. yeah and that's oh, yeah. the problem they're that they're like the the main parts of a team uh, central defender, central midfield. That's they—they got the outskirts looking good, but the that middle part mm-hmm. is just right now not working. The midfield is a little bit better now, but the problem is now the def- the back line and defending is is just like not working at all.
0: And, and Steve, that's I think that. That is a symptom of the overall what's wrong with the organization as a whole. This is what I tweeted. Yeah. I would
3: extend that. I would extend it to the whole organization. Yeah. That looks good on the there's a, the foundation. there's yeah. A not a good yeah.
0: foundation. And when you don't have a good foundation, you can't build properly on top of that. And they and were talking about never, pillars for so long. Exactly. <laughs> they'll never they'll never be able to have build quality on top of a poor foundation. And if they do, it'll crack or it'll crumble. And yeah. I, I think that's shown.
1: I mean, do do you feel that they're close? But if you look at like Gashpar comes in, although yeah, Javine I... Brown's done well, so it, it's like, does Gashbar even get in when, he, when he's fit? You still need a, a central defender. You still need a, a number ten. And oh, you said it. I know. I had to. Well, I,
3: I I like uh, for me there are certain cards that are good. And, uh, like, the, they're wide areas once they're full. And the thing is, they're fully healthy, too. That's the problem. Right now, they're not fully healthy. Fully healthy, I believe they have parts on the wide and up front that can work. Problem is, down that the spine down the middle is just not right there for them. And this one, it doesn't help that parts of, like, that strike. The, Lucas Cavallini's missing. He's part of that spine right down the middle. You got Crepeau, who's missing. Um, even though I don't blame Hassel for a lot of those goals, but some of them, yeah, sure. But I, I, but you know, I think like I don't think I don't know how much Max Capo could have done with that one either. No, well, um, you would have had the first one. First one, yeah. Uh, but the but um, like I said, the um, like you, you lose more parts of that spine. It doesn't help at all. Right now, I I like their w- wide areas. I like J- J- Brown Gutierrez Gashfar when he comes back. Casido the homie. That's yeah. nice. It's just that middle they got to take care of now.
1: My understanding is there's going to be at least one, maybe more players announced this week. So there's going to be fresh blood. When we get them in the team is the other big thing because I don't know, but obviously, visa issues, as we know with Ali Adnan. Depends maybe when they are coming back to, to Vancouver. I, Has I'm, America
3: ever been in a war with Scotland? Because then I think they should be okay.
1: I th- think, think we're good. Okay. We should have, hopefully, like, I mean, the, the Ryan Gold thing, it's gone a little quiet. He is still over in Portugal just now playing on the beach with his dogs. So not over okay. here yet anyway. Well, I think maybe it's in the courts
3: and they just want to make sure it's not nothing gets muddled up. Maybe, I don't know.
1: But it, one of the things that should probably get announced this week is a central midfielder. So not, not a number 10. I said there's two number 10s coming. He's a central midfielder. And he's not even a central midfielder that can play as a 10 because he can also play on the wing. But Pedro Vite might have murdered how we pronounce that. He can play as a winger on both sides. He's highly rated, 19-year-old Ecuadorian. He's played under-17s with Ecuador. And there was a a thing on Twitter this morning, Steve, that that you sent me. I didn't get too much chance to watch Twitter Um, today that it it looks like he has signed... Yeah, Xavier Salazar um, at Talento
3: Football Lec? football EC or something. I can't remember. I, uh, yeah, he said he signed a contract for four and a half seasons. Um, so I'm assuming that means he's going to be definitely playing this year. And, uh, and yeah, carried out through his agents. That's what it, uh, Google translates into.
1: Vite was just playing a couple of days ago for his side Independiente in Ecuador as well. So. I mean, he'd been murmured for just over a week or so. Um, I can't remember who it was that had the original thing that Glass City had tweeted out. But a bit surprising if the deal was that close that they let him play in a game just before signing. So you have to wonder, is it close? Have they signed him? But hopefully this report makes it look like he is going to get announced this week. So a central midfielder, 19-year-old, young again. And I, I know it's if you're, oh, if you're good enough, if it doesn't matter what age you are, all that kind of stuff. We need but some experience, experience in there.
0: Yeah, it's important.
1: It's like who are the rock the locker room leaders just now?
0: Yeah, Andy Rose, yeah, Russell Tybert,
1: mm. Kava, Max. Yeah, two of them are away. I don't know. Like, I know Rusty's a captain, but I don't know what he's like in the locker room. I, I don't see him as being a kind of guy that, that tears strips off the team to, to motivate them. And obviously not every team and every player reacts to that kind of stuff as well. But we, we need someone in there that's not afraid to, to ruffle feathers. Like, an Andy O'Brien kind of guy. I'd love to hear what Andy O'Brien, if he was playing this team just now, would say in that locker room. And yeah. I've got a feeling that Andy Rose is off that ilk as well, just from little things that he said in, in some of his chats of late. He basically says he knows where this team is just now, and he needs the other people to kind of be on board with that.
3: So I go. I know you guys are very interested in this kind of stuff, so I thought I'd mention it to you. Pedro Vite, is potential in FIFA 21 is 84. Ooh.
0: Yeah, I mean, this signing uh, should have come to fruition is... In line with what they're trying to do, they're trying to buy talented young players from uh, South America so far. And he has very highly rated. Yeah. And and have them come in for a year or two and then sell them on for more, which again is not, uh, is a part that's a part of football. Um, but their track record so far with doing this is not been really good. But hopefully, this is, uh, it's not been been
3: horrible. They haven't like hit the home run uh, other than Alfonso Davies, but they, they have. I, oh, but I
0: Alfonso, think Alfonso Davies is, is different. That's, that's yeah, that.
3: but uh, what I'm saying is that they 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 haven't been horrible. The the only one that they've really lost out on is isn't Ali
1: Adnan, and he was a young player. Um, but so he's got I, nice I, abs at the moment, though. Yeah, Pardon? he's got nice abs at the moment, but they're but not
0: match fit abs unless you're unless you're the Iraq. But national. is he? Well, who else? Okay, in bomb, they they made a little bit of money on?
3: Yeah. Yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's not... It's not Rivero off. was
0: a, about break even. They Actually, they made a little bit on him. Uh, who else?
3: There hasn't been that many. They haven't done that no. many times. Debbie Flores, I don't think they paid that much for him. I'm, no. I'm not sure. And we've had I, a I lot of loan afraid.
1: deals and then haven't taken up the, the loans or whatever. But I mean, yeah. it, it it needs fresh blood. And I just hope we can get these guys in asap because depending where they come from so like going back to someone like ryan gold if you're bringing a guy like him in from europe he's in pre-season just now so how long is it going to take him to get up to the mls mid-season level of play it's very true uh, it could it could be a couple come more on. weeks come on. Shows. yeah mm. i don't know but we'll we'll see what happens with that now i i just want to throw this at you because i i put this out on twitter last night and a couple of folk thought i was kind of joking but i I wasn't i was being quite serious um so high on caps i know you'll be listening to this i i wasn't joking i do think marco bustos could do a turn for the white caps just now i'm not sure he would want to come back but this is a different marco bustos than was here before this is a, a more mature marco bustos Pamiduka has really unlocked something in him in Pacific. He's now the the all-time leading scorer in all of CPL. And it's not just that it's he he's playing well, he's leading the team, he's being a leader on the park, he's a leader in the dressing room, he's getting assists, he's getting goals. He's hungry. And this is definitely a different Marco Bustos than we had here a few years ago. And I think he could slot into this team very well just now.
3: And the thing is with him right now, it's like, I, I feel like he's not, the reason why he might be doing so well is he's really not locked into a position. Mm. He's like, he's, he's got, he seems he's to be... He's flowing in games. Yeah, he's, he's like, uh, sometimes he's in the wide area, sometimes he's in the middle. He's not like, he's not locked into anywhere. And I think that it really benefits the way he plays. Because uh, we saw that a little bit in residency where he was, you know, he was a lot in the middle, uh, but he would also drift out wide sometimes to get away from those uh, holding midfielders or midfielders and stuff like that.
0: The, the, thing, the thing you're seeing from him is he is imposing himself on the game and on other teams. Yes. He, is, yeah. he is dominating and influential in ways we haven't seen since probably residency, which
1: has been really just a joy to watch. And you've got to remember when he was here, he was behind the likes of Pedro Morales and the picking order. So Robbo was experimenting with him out wide and it just was it was just simply not working. DCOA, that was so oh. unfortunate. I, I mean I am not gonna really talk too much about CPL in this episode, but I I do wanna say Palmaduca has got Pacific FC playing some beautiful football just now. If you haven't had a chance to take in any of the games, the highlights are all up on One Soccer's YouTube channel. You can can watch the highlights up on that. But Pa has got them playing some really nice stuff. He looks in good form. There's a young Irish guy that's with Pacific, Ollie Bassett, I think could be one of the the unsung heroes of the CPL. Definitely a guy that came in probably under the radar and has been outstanding with, with Pacific so far. F- good friend of the show, Matteo Polisi, got his first professional goal for Pacific at the weekend. Him and his brother, Marcello, meet up in a game on Tuesday. Already a little bit of banter on Instagram with Marcello telling Matteo to watch his ankles. I'm sure he's not joking either on that one, but that should be fun to watch. But I- I've really enjoyed watching them. And Pamudou car has certainly got a bright future in the game as a head coach. I know a, a few people... When I had mentioned about Marco Bustos coming here, I said, what about bringing Pa here? Wouldn't write that one off either down the, the line, depending on what happens come the end of this season. They'd have to include a ring
3: in the contract.
1: Yes, make sure that if you do win the championship, you get that ring. Any other white cap stuff you want to talk about before we sign off this section? Nah. Nah. The, the under-19s confirmed to be going to the Fraser Valley Soccer League for the season to come, so we're we'll bringing you a lot of coverage from that and the under-19s on the yeah, website.
3: I, I'm just hoping that this doesn't... Uh, like. I hope the, the competition is good for them. I hope they just not railroad everybody because that, that won't really help them too much.
1: Yeah, that that, that was my worry for them going into the Fraser Valley instead of VMSL but having chats with some people, it's the, the standard in Fraser Valley this year looks to be quite high, there's uh, some strong additions, FC Tigers have made the move from VMSL as well I was calling one of their games uh, earlier today and they won 7-1 so I mean so, some bright guys there, they did just get beat 4-0 though by the Whitecaps under-19s as well so it's like weigh that up but yeah so at least somewhere for these guys to play, and they can play some overage guys as well if they need to. So it's all coming together. We just have to get back to Vancouver with the first team, get some new players, make a run, and then who knows. I'm I'm still optimistic. As I said, we're only 12 games into the season, lot of football left to be played, but we've got to start getting some fresh blood, some fresh ideas, and get some points on the board. But that's it for our Whitecaps chat. We're going to turn our attention for the rest of the show to the international stage. We'll be looking at Copa, we'll be looking at the Gold Cup, we'll be looking at the Euros. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
2: The nations are a whirling wind. They sing yes, yes. The deeds are like dirty rags now. Yes, yes. The deeds are like dirty rags now. I ah! don't wanna be president. I ah! don't wanna be anything. I ah! just wanna be in one piece. Stupid the cause they up that great gate now Good like dirty rags.
1: welcome back to the AFTN soccer show on CITR radio and kicking off this part it's the latest song from our Artist of the month here at AFTN for July Scottish band from Edinburgh. Goodbye Mr Mackenzie. that was a song from their first album, Good Deeds and Dirty Rags. Yes, a lot of good deeds taking place in the world of football these days, and a lot of good football taking place as well. We're going to turn our attention to the international stage in this part. There's a lot to, to talk about, we haven't talked a lot about Copa or the Euros for the last few shows, so we'll spend a little bit of time doing that, but let's kick things off With the Gold Cup, got underway on Saturday. We'll talk about this game first. Mexico nil, Trinidad and Tobago nil. Now I had the game on in the background with it, the sound down, so we were just watching some other stuff on TV. So I was kind of keeping half an eye on it because I thought, oh, Mexico's going to to walk this quite comfortably. And then it was nil nil, and then there was a stoppage, and I was like, oh wonder what that is because the goalkeeper was getting treatment at the sides and he had been down I thought oh he's got a knock so they're they've stopped the game till he's he's getting treatment uh and then I was like oh or is it for the the chanting that they've said that they were going to stop games for the offensive chanting so I wasn't sure and then a couple of minutes later it stopped again for the second warning which was for that so I thought oh then I put the sound up and I heard the chant again but the referee didn't stop it for the third time, which would have meant the game was abandoned. So, from what I've been told from a couple of folks I was chatting to this about, the chants were going on throughout the game, but they only decided to make that stand late in the game. And it actually rattled Trinidad and Tobago a little bit, because they were a little bit all over the place when the games restarted. But uh, d- did you watch the game at all, Zach?
0: No, well, I actually didn't watch this this one. I was at a I had a, a meeting to, to, to be at. Um, and I actually haven't even watched the highlights. I've just read some of the, the Twitter discussion about it, um, about, you know, the, the chant and the reaction and whatever. Um, I, I like that
1: they're taking the stand, but they've got to be consistent and actually enforce it. If it's going on during the game and you've had two stoppages and they do it again,
0: it's yeah, like,
1: I'm, stop it.
0: I, yeah, I think that's a fair a fair perspective. You know, I've heard that, that talked a lot about. I've heard the, the until they kick them out of a tournament, or really, or they continue continually dock them points when it happens, or whatever, it won't really do anything. You know, another perspective that people like to bring up is, which to me is kind of weird that it, it, like people like to play the comparison game. and, Like they like to own like what's the worst thing, so they're like, well. You know, F- FIFA doesn't like this, or CONCACAF doesn't like this, or whatever. But they're hosting the Qatar, the, the World Cup in Qatar, which you know has significant human rights issues around, around the same issue around, um, you know, uh, human rights, sexual rights, sexual orientation, all that stuff. And um, so they're like, oh, FIFA shouldn't shouldn't. They're not one to talk about this when they they make a deal with Qatar and blah blah. blah. And to me, well, if, if they're if if both things are wrong, it like doesn't mean you ignore the one because exactly yeah, there's, worse, there's worse. I mean, they're are kind of two issues, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't think anything's gonna happen. I think I don't think it's gonna stop until um, something more drastic happens. I think you could see something. I, I'm I don't know this gold cup. Certain things could unfold, obviously. It's going to be interesting what happens in those games that for World Cup qualifying that they have to play behind closed doors, of which Canada could be a beneficiary yeah, of. because they're
1: It looks, playing. Like, looks like they are. I, there was a rumour at one point they were going to play one of the women's games to try and get out of it, but then it's like, no, 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 we're, we're not. Yeah. Like he, he, Here's the thing. I don't know if this is far-fetched or not, Steve, but realistically you could have a game between Mexico and, let's just say, the US and then You're hearing the chant every time the U.S. keeper takes the goal kick, but it's not coming from the Mexican fans. It's coming from the U.S. fans trying to get the Mexican fans into trouble, especially if, say, Mexico are winning or something. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility.
3: Oh, no, I don't. I don't know if Americans are smart enough to do that, but uh, definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, But the the thing is, for me, yeah, I agree. It's not going to really change until they do that with the third strike and they abandon the game. It's not going to happen nothing they're not going to change at all and uh, I even think that even after that they might even say they might keep going until they're kicked out of the tournament or something like that yeah so yeah it, it has to be something more drastic if they wanted to change
0: just to give you some context right we know we all know the CSA is not flowing with money right the I believe it was I believe it was the Mexico game at BC place oh yes the CSA got fined for the Voyagers and other supporters in the stadium chanting. You fat bastard! Yeah, because it was uh, mean to people's weight or something, or yeah. or the people whose parents were married, or I for both, um, which I found extremely strange. I know that. So I don't know if it was they got fined for each instance, which was a lot. And that's <laughs> why they... we're
1: not getting games in the octagon then.
0: No, that's the government. Blame the government.
1: That was Saturday's action. Sunday's action there was two games today well I'll cover the second one first the US squeaked past Haiti 1-0 now I haven't seen anything from this game Sam Vines got the winner in the eighth minute the big game though was this afternoon which I've seen the highlights or I've seen the goals from but I wasn't able to to watch this game because I was commentating on the the two FC Tigers games today 4-1 win for Canada over Martinique I was a bit surprised when I saw Martinique open opened the scoring. Yeah, that was a very
3: uh, very sloppy goal yeah. that they let in. Um, it was just a really unfortunate bounce. I think it bounced off Prepo maybe, then off the defender or the forward, and then it went off the post or something, and, and then snuck in. And, I honestly uh, thought it was um, an goal. Yeah, Mark-Anthony K. had a. Ch- I, don't, I, I don't remember it right now, but Mark-Anthony K. had a chance to clear it off the line, and he wasn't able to do that
1: either. Oh, uh, the LAFC fans obeying his back again. And,
3: oh, they were. There were people. Because it, it all led, came up from, from the fact that uh, Kamal Miller, it was Kamal Miller's fault, actually, because he put it into a spot where Mark anthony K was. And they're, they're, uh, Martinique was doing a high press. So yeah. they were pressing Mark anthony Kay. He was able to get the ball out of there. And he had to first touch it to another defender. And he wasn't able to get it through. Um, so uh, uh, LAFC fans definitely went on Mark anthony K at that point. Uh, But the, um, yeah, it was, it was a weird, and and everybody started just like, uh, I think I saw the tweet from uh, the uh, Canadian National, Canada Soccer and the replies were like, oh my God, what the hell's going on Uh, without Davies and David? This is just a CPL team. Those are the kind of, yeah, those are the kind of comments we got. (sighs) And a lot of them were from non-Canadian fans, like Americans laughing. At Canada for giving up the first goal and stuff like that, so there was it wasn't just all Canadian fans, but there were a lot of them too. Well and none of them. After the game, I checked out all the people that did that. None of them <laughs> really responded to what they had said before.
1: Well, is, well let's cover the, that part because you, you mentioned there. Alphonse Davies forced to pull out of the Canada team ahead of the tournament has gone back home to to Germany to try and re- recover for the season big loss obviously for for Canada Zach hopefully not out for too long i mean let, let's hope it isn't anything too serious and that he's good to start the season with Bayern and more importantly that Canada's got him for these world cup qualifiers in september
0: yes on both accounts <laughs> let's hope uh, this, those comments you mentioned steve or yeah th- those are farcical th- those are those are comments of a uh, canada of of the past uh or what i hope is the past anyways <laughs> well, it was a it was an unfortunate start but i mean they showed that they were of superior quality and i think i i really believe that part of their reaction is a result of john herdman's uh encouragement and coaching and style of leading that you don't put your head down you keep going yeah um but yeah i mean Davies, Davies not being there david not being there uh yes obviously i've talked before about how it would be nice to try and go out and, and win everything and create a winning mentality winning culture um i would i would i would love if they were there in one sense I, i'm okay that they're not there and I, I think canada can even win this tournament with who who they do have
1: there yeah I, I think they do as well, and it's like it was ten minutes when Martinique got their goal. Then Kyle Larn made it one 0 in the sixteenth minute. Four minutes He's later, Jonathan Fosorio. Nice header. Yeah. Oh, the story goal was
3: nice because that was all uh, Buchanan on yes. that one. Ah. And then, and then a very who who was it that jumped over the ball, didn't tap
1: it in because he would have been offside? Oh of yes. I was it Richie Larn? I thought it was possibly I Kyle Larn, but I think it was Larn. Oh, it was it? Uh, yeah, Richie that. That was that was clever, yeah, of him to have that sense to do that and not try and nick the goal. Then Canada went three one up in the twenty seventh minute through Estacchio, but then it was until the last minute when Corbinau added the fourth. I mean, was this a was this a, a hard fought victory or were were Canada pretty much in control? Well, if you look at
3: the stats, possession was sixty six percent for Canada, right? Um, pass accuracy eighty nine for Canada, seventy two for. Uh, Martinique. I was just about to say France because they have the same color flag. The biggest concern for me at this point is the yellow cards. Uh, Canada picked up six yellow cards to Whoa, Martinique really? three. Yeah, and that's that's no. Now I know uh, who was a Sierra Leone had a difficult time with that in the World Cup last time. Was it Sierra Leone? I can't remember what, what African team it was. There's African teams that had oh, an Oh yeah. With a someone had big issues and then yeah, they for, were missing. Yeah, so so but uh, the. Um, uh, they, so that is the big concern. I can't remember who had. I can look it up right now. Oh, here it is. Uh, so, Alistair Johnston, uh, Victoria uh, K, es- 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 Estacchio, and maybe oh, uh, Liam Fraser and Lucas Cavallini. Uh, those are the uh, ob- obviously Cavallini. But,
1: Cavallini uh, got a yellow card.
3: No, but his was kind. Of, I, I feel, really, a fee feel square like
1: on our bingo card.
3: I, I really feel that should be rescinded because it was actually the Martinique player that grabbed his foot and almost like placed it on his thigh. Like the, he grabbed Cavallini's foot and put, placed it on his own thigh, and got and Cavallini got a yellow card for it. And, and watch the replay; it, it's, it's actually hilarious. I feel like that should be rescinded. I don't, know, I don't. They can't rescind yellow cards, but I feel like that should be. But yeah, six yellow cards is difficult in the first game because. Nothing gets wiped out until the quarterfinals. Hmm. Uh, So everybody's got to be careful going forward.
1: Well, next game coming up is Haiti on Wednesday, followed by the U.S. on Sunday. And it's going to be interesting, that that U.S. game. When you look at the path ahead, if Canada can top the group, then considerably easier route to to the final than if they finish in runners-up position. Of course, depending on what happens in the other groups, I my dark horse for this tournament is Qatar. I think they could pull a, a few surprises. I, I've i been really surprised at some of the results that they've had in recent years. How many Brazilians are on Qatar? I think about 18. They've been handing out passports left, right and centre. But I, I think they could pull a few surprises in this tournament. That's
3: kind of opposite of what they normally do, handing out passports. Um yeah you could you could you say that yeah Qatar could very well surprise they're in a group that's they got Grenada, but uh, as the weak team obviously the minnow but Honduras and Panama I don't know how well they're doing right now in their in their stages of their uh, you know national team so very well could be could do well
0: I really fancy Canada beat this Amer- weak American team and then yeah when when the group and then well, I mean to, to, For them,
1: progress. just to get past Haiti 1-0, again, I'm doing this with completely not having watched the game. I mean, they might have dominated from start to finish, but it, it's not a free-scoring American team that we've maybe been used to in the past. All pretty much domestic-based MLS players, so yeah. They, they 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 are looking at their stats right now.
3: If you look at stats, they're very similar to what Canada had against Martinique. So maybe they just weren't able to finish mm. as well as Canada did, but yeah they did dominate possession and passing accuracy
1: but that continental tournament is just starting off this weekend two more wrapped up and we're, we're going to turn our attention now to south america we're going to look at copa next the final took place on saturday night i loved it i saw a couple of folks saying oh this that wasn't enjoyable football that wasn't good football because there were so many fouls and everything now obviously i loved that because the tackles were flying in, and a lot was let go, but I think we can finally put to bed that Lionel Messi has not won anything on the international stage with Argentina, he's now the Copa America winner, and it was revealed this morning by the Argentina coach that he'd been playing in the semi-finals and the finals with an injury as well, which is, is fantastic, but the final whistle, you saw what it meant to Argentina but to Messi as well and they all went to him and they had were throwing him up in the air which is going to be, hopefully he's going to be okay to sign for the Whitecaps and does not get, get injured because I heard we were signing Messi. I, I, was, I was pleased. I mean, I would have preferred someone like Colombia or Peru to be in the final but if it was going to be between Brazil and Argentina, between Neymar and Messi, can't stand Neymar, as I've spoken about in the show before. So I was pleased for Messi and their kits, absolutely fantastic. I love this, this yeah. variation of the Argentina stripes.
0: Very, very nice uh, kit. Just one correction, uh, Michael. The Whitecaps aren't signing Messi. The Whitecaps are a mess.
1: But... Oh, I knew I'd read something along those lines. It was, they it are good. a messy. Yeah.
0: They're a messy um, front office. Yeah. I... I didn't uh, I'm one of those people, Michael, I, I think the quality of, of, the, the, of the tournament in general in South American football right now is not at its nowhere near its peak. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's not it's, prime. South yeah, it's,
0: it's
3: not what I think of like South American football. It, it wasn't like as free flowing. It just feels
1: very choppy every game I saw. There were some and the, good games, though. Oh, the, the, yeah. la- the lack of fans definitely hindered the atmosphere yeah. and stuff.
0: But just like when you look at even just the quality of the players, like you look at this Brazil side, which I think has, you know, the FIFA ranking of third in the world or whatever. It's not a great team. And I know, I mean, it it was hard to listen to the, American
3: comic. Oh, that if you yeah. want to mute any kind of thing, yeah, they, they might well, not I have been.
0: To, I wanted to listen. It was actually the end, it was the end. I had just had it on. They're just like, Oh, this Brazil team back next year, they could easily be raising the World Cup because they're yeah. so good right now. I was just like, Man, this Brazil team is not good. No, like, and, and the thing that the thing that irritated
3: me the most was, and I, I agree that I'm glad Messi won something so we don't have to hear this garbage all the time. Like, uh, I don't think he's the greatest player ever. But I'm just tired of people saying that because he didn't win anything with the hard Oh, I mean, all, all,
1: like the the Messi but, Ronaldo stuff. It's just so tiresome. They're both yeah. really, really good players. Just appreciate yeah. that we're getting to watch both these players play at the same time the one the one the one thing that irritated me was
3: we um, they mentioned at one point Maradona had never won the Copa America oh, and and, Perry, had, yeah. had never, and that irritated me cuz you know what they won the World Cup and that's much harder to win than yeah. any of the Copa America would ever be like yeah, but, and i'm not saying i'm not saying messi's a bad player because he hasn't won the world cup i'm just saying that don't com- make the comparison don't elevate messi by saying that Maradona and Pelé hadn't won something, yeah, just you're doing exactly what people are doing with between Messi and Ronaldo, but and now you're using historical. Pelé won the World Cup when he was like 18. Like he won four World Cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and but the, but they were the, that's what I'm talking about. These fox, oh. these fox comments. I was just going off your thing. The oh, fox yeah. commentators are so annoying. It's so, they are, and they, it wasn't the first game. This game either. It was so many games. Like you can talk about biased. I'd rather have a good commentators who are biased rather than these guys <laughs> well because they're also
0: they're also see i think they see their job is trying to sell it like yeah got, oh my like, god next year because we're host we have it on our channel and it's yeah. gonna be so relatable but i mean it, yeah i'm happy i'm happy for leo messi he is a, a, one of the greatest players of all time for sure uh and it's nice for him to win this i enjoyed i enjoyed when he won things at, at youth levels you know like watching those things um so to me, it wasn't like he was. I know he didn't have one at the, at the full adult level, but, anyways, he, I don't like, like, to me, the Copa is easier to win than the Euro. Oh, so, yeah. like, if, he you had you have,
3: I would, 10 if you want to, yeah. I would say, I would say the, the Copa is easier to win than the Africans Cup, if you want to almost mm. say, because there's a lot of, like, depth in Africa where any team can win it. So, for me, it's not, I'm not saying quality wise, but I'm just saying depth that the African yeah. Cup.
0: The real thing will be, the real thing will be just not the real thing. One of the interesting things to see will be is are either of them at this late stage in their careers able to do anything at the 2022 World Cup in November and December in Qatar? Because that really is like the final piece that they're both or a significant final piece that they're both missing. That if one of them were to win it, and I personally hope neither do, uh, would be really, really significant.
1: Yeah.
3: I think, I think. I I don't I'm taking the that those two players out for me right now. Portugal would be closer, yeah, uh, because they have a lot of good young players right now who could be into that like yeah. their kind of and, peak at 2022.
0: And they were they were an example of the sum being less than the parts, in my opinion, at this Euro. Yeah. Whereas the last Euro maybe it was the opposite.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. That, I mean, the other thing, this is I know going way off tangent, but like having. Experienced forty degree temperatures for the first time in my life in that recent heat wave. How I'm, I'm like serious here. How the hell can you have a tournament and play in that? I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Like I like (laughs) these air conditioners in the stadium. (laughs) I I just I don't get how you can run like today commentating at UBC. I had to go down on the pitch before the game to get the the teams, and it was like high twenties or something. And I was like, this is so hot down here. Yeah, I thought you're, it was you're red.
0: red. You're looking a bit red. red.
3: Yeah, I am. Yeah, the, the, the pitch absorbs heat too there. Yeah. It absorbs, if, if it's, uh, sometimes it's higher, hotter on the pitch than it is normally as well. So it, it, yeah. I don't know how they're going to do it. There, It's going to be really interesting to see.
1: And another quick tangent based on that. CPL games this weekend have been getting played in 35 degrees temperatures. Yeah. They're playing the games... When they shouldn't be playing, okay, it might clash with the Canada game. It might clash with the Euros. But think of the players. You can't have players playing in thirty-five degree temperatures.
3: Yeah, they're going to have to come up with something where the the you know the kits they're wearing actually cool the person down instead and of not just black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just say saying- it was
1: it was Andrew Jean Baptiste from Valor that had tweeted going that he was in pain when he was playing. In the game yesterday in 35 degrees he was in literal pain it was that really? bad
0: did you yeah. Did you guys see the the tweets about the schedule coming out and the, oh the all the players?
1: players are like well it'd be nice if you could tell us we kind of have lives to plan and stuff and
0: yeah yeah the, i mean not having a union yeah. is, is one of the ways that you
1: you, can, you don't have to worry about somebody yeah, you just- can get away with but I mean, I I've, I did enjoy this Copa. I think yeah. just getting caught up in the Euros and Copa being on at the same time, it was just you had a two, sometimes three Euros games followed by a couple of Copa games. I mean, I've Great. hardly seen Caitlin in June. It's been a fantastic month.
3: Yeah, it, it, the thing is, is uh, you don't have to worry about uh, uh, you know two, uh, being Australia a game from Australia because you've already seen enough games. That you don't oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still oh, watching still my Australian and oh, New okay. Zealand games.
1: They've just done the draw for the, the FFA Australian Cup round of 32. Some cracking ties and that. Looking forward to those. Nice. Uh,
0: it, it, it was nice. And this is a unique thing in our lifetime because I don't think we'll ever see a summer yeah. again where we have a Copa and a Euro together. Then, but, but yeah, the, it, gold, gold
1: Cup and Olympics coming up this month. Right.
3: I think we'll see the Gold Cup with every tournament. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Every it possible combination. Way. I I mean you've you've said it. The, this is the year the Gold Cup did not need to, to go yeah. ahead, but anyway. Let's turn our attention, we'll finish the show off. We'll talk about the Euros. I've got the final standings of our prediction league. Oh you won. And you Michael won.
3: Yeah.
1: 100%. Really? Well, did did I? I couldn't, yeah. be,
3: I couldn't be You happy. had to, because the only way I could have <laughs> won is if England won, and I didn't want that to happen. You had to have won, Michael. I did. I came yeah. last.
0: He did, and you
3: won.
1: I've lost. I've lost my points totals that I did before the game. But you just—you know it. Just tell us. Basically, Zach, well, yeah. you were in third place on sixty-four points. I'll, I'll explain the, the scoring. So, for the group games, if you won, you got three points. If you drew, you got one point. If you won your group, you got a bonus of five. If you were second, you got a bonus of three, and if you went through as the best third-place team, you got a bonus of one. In the round of sixteen, the quarterfinals and the semi-finals, it was a straight three points for a win. But if you got to extra time or penalties, I gave you a bonus point. So you guys got a few bonus points along the way. Uh and then the final, whoever won, ten points, whoever didn't win, five points. Zach, third place, sixty-four. Steve, second place. I think it was seventy four, it might have been seventy-eight. But yeah. I was in the eighties in first place anyway.
3: So. Yeah, you had three teams in the semifinal. I know it was, I was it like
1: very hard for you to lose. I, and I was very hard this afternoon. I've got to say, watching that final take place, I think you only had one team
3: left in the around the quarters or something, Zach.
1: I think Belgium was yeah. your only team. Yeah. yeah, you peaked too soon because you had a storming ten-point lead at the end of the group stages. Yeah, that's that's yeah. A bit like Germany, really, it kind of peaked too soon and then it all went downhill very, very quickly. But I mean, overall, before we get to today's final, I really enjoyed this tournament. And I'll be honest, like, heading into it, apart from Scotland being in it for the first time, I wasn't, I was, I was like, eh, I'll, I'll watch the games, so I wasn't totally excited for it. I think just because the white caps had sapped any enthusiasm for, from football out of me at that point in time I loved it from start to finish, it was just tremendous, the first game, Italy were good, they won the first game, they won the last game, there were some nice moments for individual players, there was some nice moments for teams, fans got to enjoy it all over Europe and it was one of the best Euro tournaments I think there's been.
3: Yeah, for me, um, typically, and it goes almost every World Cup and Euros and everything, I'm like I I'm so invested in the group stage and usually the first round knockout round and then after that my kind of interest kind of wanes because the games get a little bit more far apart uh you get more of a break then there's not a game every day and that's where I started. so for me the quarterfinals semis and the finals I was interested in but I wasn't like like in, like invested in um uh, for me the probably the peak of the whole like especially the knockout stage was that that Monday, I think uh, uh, that we had where it was Croatia versus Spain and France versus Switzerland. Oh, uh, that, that 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 day was one of the was best probably, days
1: of football.
3: Yeah, I, I was just looking up to see what day that was. It was June twenty eighth. So yeah, that that day was probably the peak, and then it kind of weighed after that because then you had England beating Germany, and 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 then after that, you know, the quarters were okay. I didn't really. Go, the thing is, the thing the, the games get tighter and tighter. Yeah, so it less, gets too there's less Yeah, and it's, it's too. It's the entertaining entertainment value gets less and less as the tournament gets on. Yeah,
0: I I, I, th- I tweeted about this. I think at the round of sixteen, but I think this is maybe the best like set of knockout games. Even you could include the final that I've seen at any tournament since I've been watching since ninety four, uh, uh, like. In 94 had some memorable moments in the knockout phase stages, but it was, it was great. It was really, it was engaging. Um, yeah.
3: And there were great stories too, like Denmark, obviously oh, yeah. uh, it was a great story yeah. that they lost Christian Eriksen, but the way that they rebounded from that uh being the first, I think team that lost their first two games being in the yeah. final and stuff like that. So there were great stories, obviously Italy, um, missing out
1: on the last World Cup. They missed out on the last World Cup,
3: right? They weren't there. They did. yeah. And then they bounced back now on the one in Euros. Yeah. So that's a huge story for them. I so
1: was so pleased for Cellini. He just looked so, so happy. And then probably the best story, England coming so close, yet losing once again. Yeah, and in many ways that made the tournament for me. <laughs> now, I I, I want to clarify something here because well actually before I do that I have got the final points total so it's Zach 62 Steve 74 and I had 82 so there we go but obviously I go on about wanting England to lose and it's like do you hate England? do you hate English people? no I I don't and this is probably going to surprise some people that I'm going to say this this England team is a very likeable England team the players on this team they're really bright young men that have taken a lot of social causes on to themselves and they've used their fame to kind of promote good and and do good they're a likable team I find that hard to say as a Scottish person but I there's a lot of guys on that team we've got a lot of respect for and one thing I want to say just now and I tweeted this out earlier when I was watching that penalty shootout take place and you saw Rashford Miss and Sancho and then Saka. I know what it's like back there. It, there's still a really strong racist element in the UK. And I the first thought that went through my head after, yay, well done, Italy, was I genuinely feel and worry for those guys and the abuse that they're going to get from absolute numbskulls on social media. And I think most folk will have their back, but I mean, they get it every week of the season, from rival fans. So, the abuse that those guys are going to get, it's it's just going to be terrible. And if anyone sees anything like that, please report it. Whatever you see it on, report it. Because those guys don't deserve that. They played their hearts out in this tournament. They played their hearts out today. They missed a spot kick. It happens to the best of the players. Messi's missed spot kicks in important games. And... I haven't seen too much of it, thankfully, but I haven't gone looking for it. Yeah. But uh, that, I, you, do, you I were just th-
3: worry for them. You were thinking about it afterwards. I was thinking about as they were kicking it. I was like, please don't miss. Let the next guy miss. And then I realized <laughs> the next guy was Sancho. And then I was like, oh, you don't miss. Let the..." And then I didn't realize Saka was going to be the one that picking the... Like he's an 18-year-old kid. I did
1: not expect him to be in the fifth position. I mean, t- t- to bring to, to bring on... Rashford and Sancho in the last minute of extra time whilst that's you're defending difficult. a corner, corner as well. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, was, But then they missed the penalties and Saka hadn't had a great game, but you should not be putting a young kid. Like He was he, subbed on too, I think. Yeah. yeah he was,
0: it it, it uh, pointed to some really... It wasn't the only ones, but th- those were strange decisions for me by Southgate. Like that... Mm-hmm. Are valid questions. that Maybe he's already answered. I haven't watched all of his interviews, but um yeah, Saka as the your fifth taker just does not make sense to me at all. Why would you put a nineteen-year-old in that spot? And like, and maybe he wants maybe Saka. And I mean, or fair Sake play to him for up.
1: standing up to take it and being brave, but it, it just didn't seem wise. And it, he was inconsolable it, afterwards too. Yeah, yeah, but it was. It se- It seemed like
0: almost the opposite of what Southgate had done for the entire tournament, which was be conservative, uh, you know, and cautious and sort of defense-minded, you know, in in one sense. Instead, he, yeah, he, uh, I I just thought that was, I thought that was a a strange move. And as much as he deserves a lot of credit for getting England to the final, so don't get me wrong, like he did really, Mm, really well. I agree. I think his tactics at various we I mean, were too not just in the final, at other points wow. were too cautious and too negative. When he had such a wealth of attacking options, I feel like they just didn't use them well enough. It, it, it was in a different way. It was similar to what happened with Germany. I don't know if you've seen the comments from Thomas Muller, who said, "Our problem at this tournament was we were so focused on trying not to be scored on." that we weren't focused enough on who we are, which is a team that goes on scores and England's different than Germany. Don't get me wrong, but they were so focused and, and South Cage obviously he's a defender, like that's who he is. And so maybe that plays into it, but they had, they had, and I think even your Scottish buddy said it on a the, on the broadcast, one of the maybe few things I would agree with him on. He, they had maybe the, the most arguably the most diverse options in attack in the tournament of all teams, and yet they use them in such a limited way. Oh yeah! And so, like again, uh, not to—I I did not want England to win. and I think everyone yeah. knows that. I, uh, I for the first time since after the, the sad 2006 semifinal final lost Italy. This is the first time I've wanted Italy to win anything. <laughs> um,
3: I have some off the
1: bat, but yeah, yeah. Because you're the other smart.
3: thing, the other thing that. When it wins, and, and the reason I don't cheer for England, just to let people know, is there's certain people from my past uh, before I got into the white caps that are English, and I personally don't like and I prefer them not to win because of those. I don't want those mm. people celebrating. That's yeah. the only reason. No. For me, though, the first goal um, scored by Luke Shaw did bring a little bit of a smile to my face because of what he's gone through. I think it's 2017, he broke his leg on the pitch like early in the season. And, I, and apparently, he uh, I, uh, back then, there were stories where he almost lost it leg. Um, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, he almost lost it. And and basically, and then having to come back from the injury, having to deal with Mourinho uh, during that mm-hmm. whole thing. And so it kind of, I, that little bit, brought, I, I was glad they scored early because then in Italy had more time to come back and and it, the game. I think and it was, was scoring
1: really... early though that that cost them because then Southgate's yeah. like I don't know what to do now I don't yeah. I can't attack too much because I don't want to let them back in well, and was... then
0: they just sat back and Italy dominated the, yeah. the rest of the match. Well, it
3: took Italy well, about no, no. twenty minutes to find their Yeah, feet. twenty minutes, yeah, twenty minutes. About yeah, the, the England could have got a second goal in those twenty minutes. There and, were
0: they, and, they did, and Italy did let them sort of have a chance in the second half of extra
3: time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, but, as soon as it went to penalties, I, I thought Italy's going to win because the pressure of playing at home, like everyone talked up it was a great advantage to play their games at home. When you've got a stadium full cheering you on and you know that, that, that this is why I don't like the England football team. And it's nothing to do with the players or the team itself. It's the media. Now, you, you guys get little snippets of it from watching the commentary and stuff here. I've grown up bbc national broadcaster for all the the four uk nations so english biased when it comes to these games and the newspapers and everything it just it amps everything up it builds well, the team up so much that you start to hate them if you're not well, english
3: I, well if you will use a, a different thing for here for canada if you're living on the west coast all you're hearing is about ontario teams you yeah. put on Sports Center, and it's immediately yeah. about the Maple Leafs or that's anybody. Fair. The... So it's very similar to that. Like so, I can relate to that, um, and I agree. Like for me, the uh, but the thing is with bias, we it's only because we hear the English broadcaster. I'm sure the Italian broadcasters were, were just as biased. Oh, we just probably, yeah, yeah. We just don't hear them. It's it so we, just
1: we've had it rammed down our throats. It's always yeah. everything goes back to oh, 1966, and the, the whole is coming home. Like the three lions song by Baddiel and Skinner, is a classic football song. When that came out in 1996 and I first heard it, I was like, that is one of the best football songs ever. They've done it to death. Yeah. It's taken a whole different kind of meaning now. And it's all, it's coming home, it's coming home. It, no, it isn't, he, is the hashtag that's going around Scotland. but It's going to Rome.
0: It's going to Rome, yeah. Um, like Benucci or Banucci yelled in the camera. I tweeted the only F that's going that's coming home after this is failure. Oh,
1: I never saw that. It, I mean, two of the most unlikely goal scorers. I think I had them both in my fantasy team as well, but I had Luke Shaw as the captain, and then I thought I can't have an, an English guy as captain, so well, I ended up going with Jesus
3: let's forget about England. How about Italy? Italy, right from the, like from the qualifiers, they've been playing really well. They basically, and, and they, they missed, they lost one of their better players. I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank oh, on Sp- it.
0: Oh, Yeah. Spizzola,
3: he was having a he great tournament. was outstanding. Tournament, and they lost him prior in the, what was it? The semifinal or the, no, I can't remember. Quarters. 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 Yeah, quarters. Yeah. I yeah, lost him in the quarters and he, he was having a great tournament and they still were able to rebound. Um, their their center back duo is fantastic. Even though like hope uh, like hopefully they they are able to make it to the next round. But th- that, what a way to go out if those two don't don't like retire from the Italian side. Did you
0: hear them talking during the broadcast about how because uh, this broadcast actually turned the volume. Over. They they are like actually like the best of friends. Like yeah. as soon as over, yeah, they were mentioning, they're flying to Rome. They're flying back to Rome. Yeah. And then they're getting their families and going on vacation
3: together.
1: Together, yeah. Aww. They were
3: talking they were talking about it like, oh, they have something to talk about while they're on vacation
1: something. Yeah. yeah. What I, a great I, vacation that's gonna be. I mean, Italy played some some beautiful football in this tournament. I mean, there was the the more boring aspect of them killing off games. That's football. But they
3: were so much more exciting than like you were talking about like teams not wanting to be scored on. they were actually pushing it. they, they got a little bit more conservative as the tournament went on, but yeah. it's, it was a totally different Italian team than what we normally watch. Well, so from that's what I thing. remember.
0: That's the thing though is they we talked about foundations earlier in the show talking about a, 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 the white caps. but Italy has this amazing understanding of defending as a foundation to build off of and Mancini, did a whole bunch of things really, really well, and one of them is he was tactically flexible, and he didn't just defend, right? Like you look at the, how he approached the games. There was variance to how he approached the games, and the and the open the group stage, he was like, we need to go out and like score. We need to get scoring, and then so he they were they were pressing, they were attacking, they were scoring goals. It came to the knockout phases stages, and in the Spain game in particular, where he was like, we need to be a little bit more cautious here because if we go gung ho we could get blown out of the water here by Spain. So they were a little more cautious. They were a little more defensive, but they were still able to play on the counter. They were still able to get that the goal they needed, and then, and then they won in the shootouts. The other thing that he did that I think is really big, uh, and, and to, to, in all fairness, I think Southgate did a, a pretty good job of this, uh, and I haven't, can't compare this to all the other managers, but for an Italian Italian team, and actually Luis uh, Luis Enrique Martinez did this with Spain as well in a different way, squad selection for these things is so important Mm. and mancini didn't only take players from big clubs he took some players from less fashionable clubs less less big sides and work them into the team into significant roles in the team and uh i think that i mean that added to uh to i think the squad morale and the squad togetherness and you saw him get the best out of out of everyone didn't matter if they were from the big three or the big you know, the big five or whatever. Well, that, that last
1: group game they had, which was that against Wales, I think? Yes. Um, They got a chance to rest their, their made guys, and then yeah. the fringe guys that they brought in all rose to the occasion and performed, which as a head coach gives you a headache, but it's had a lovely headache, because it's like, wow, I've got all my guys in form at the right time.
0: Well, you said this before on previous shows, all their players, except for the third keeper... Saw the field in this mm. tournament, and they all, all I think, made meaningful contributions.
3: Yeah, and, and again, the uh, I'll, I'll agree with you there. And also, the 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 thing is, Southgate, his. You're talking about squad selection. There were a lot of questionable squad selection on him too. Uh, cool. He seemed to be really uh, stuck with a few players, like he didn't want to change. We talked about his midfield before, like earlier in in the tournament, where. He, he felt very stagnant in the midfield yeah. and didn't want to oh, push yeah. forward. So there was there was weird things about him, too. I was, Obviously, was,
0: I was talking more about squad composition as opposed oh, to – Oh, right. The, yeah, because you're right. He To me, I mean, I know he missed the penalty, but Jadon Sancho needed to be used more. I think Jude yeah. Bellingham needed to be used more. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not as a big fan of him, but I think Jack Grealish should have been playing more. Um, and I think there's other guys who probably should have been playing more as well. Okay,
3: one play. thing, i yeah, and and I'm not just saying this because Manchester United, but I was surprised Rashford played very little. I think, yeah, I, I heard he was dealing with an injury. I just don't know like how bad the injury was. So maybe it was that the reason. But if he wasn't able to play, he shouldn't have been on the in the in the lineup then.
1: But it's been a very enjoyable June, as we talked about. A lot more football to come in July and it it was it was good like today I was up at UBC I, I had to watch the the Euro final on my phone with the sound down because we were commentating on a PCSL women's game but just being out at that today being back watching live football there was fans in attendance it felt like things are getting a little bit back to normal you've got the Euros packing crowds in Hopefully not to any adverse effects. A little bit worried about what it's going to do to the COVID numbers in the UK, I've got to say, after some of the stuff that we saw today. But it just feels that things are starting to get back a little bit to normal. Whitecaps hopefully coming home soon. So fingers crossed that all that's going to go well. But there was a lot of standout guys in the Euros and a guy that kind of really stood on his head, of course, is the Italian goalkeeper, Gianluigi Donnarumma. And... It's kind of fitting. I, I'd lined this song up for tonight for Wavelength and it's actually worked out to perfection. It's a, a song from 2017 and it's by an Italian band called The Chromosomes. They're from Livorno in Italy. And it's a song from their 2017 Losing Eleven album. It's called Goalkeeper. Roma Zones there from Livorno, Italy, singing about a goalkeeper, wasn't Donnarumma, but it could have been, great song, great performance by Italy, very enjoyable month of football, very enjoyable show I've had chatting about all of this, but that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show, we have kept it short as promised this week, or shorter, as in our usual time. Just before we go, any final thoughts from you, Steve? Let folk know where they can find you online and anything that you learned this week. Um,
3: You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And uh, what I learned was that it's a good thing Bayern fired their coach because now
1: he could possibly turn around Germany. Uh, And Zach, what did you learn? That was the last time I'll do that.
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary um, uh, I learned that Steve <laughs> this still doesn't get it but he likes to drag the joke on so we'll let him but um, no I'm really happy for my Italian friends uh, people like John and Mass and Naz and Bevy uh, and others I'm really happy for them Giancarlo uh, as they get to enjoy this um, and like you Michael I'm glad that I <laughs> didn't win
1: yes it's, it was a good day it was an interesting thing doing commentary when Italy scored their equalizer and not yelling down the microphone as I watched that play out. Gideon had to cover the, the game for the next minute or so as I was sending like messages to all my friends back in Scotland. But I'm Michael McCall, you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers. AFTN.ca. Give us a follow on YouTube. YouTube.com backslash AFD in Canada. Subscribe, turn on the notifications. We'll have some more videos soon. We had thought about doing a video for, for this little international bit, but that would have involved me having to fix lighting, put clothes on, stuff like that. <laughs> Didn't really want to have to do that on a Sunday night. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Very much appreciated. Enjoy the football that is to come this month. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care. Ali La rouge.